Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Saturday, January 6th slate of college basketball at DFS, the main slate to be specific, because if you have looked ahead already, there are three juicy slates awaiting us on DraftKings tomorrow. We have got a 12-game main slate, as well as a 12-game afternoon slate, as well as a six-game night slate. So that is a combined 30 the college basketball DFS games um, that we're going to have in action tomorrow on DraftKings, and I can't wait. I'm very excited for it. Um, but this episode, we, you know, we're only going to do the main slate, and it is a massive 12 game slate. So we're going to break down every game in as much detail as possible, tell you who you need to have your eye on in each game, who you need to have in your lineups in each game, or out of your lineups in each game, and kind of just give a quick overview of how we expect every game to go. Uh, I'm going to try to be as detailed as possible, but also like not spend a whole lot of time on each game because I don't want this to take an hour and a half um, with it being a 12 game slate. Um, you know, this, this, this slate's big, y'all. And, and the afternoon slate is big as well, and the night slate is big as well. So if you are playing the afternoon, in the night slates and you want to hear my thoughts on those, I will direct you to um, where you can get my thoughts on those as well um, throughout the video. So, um, you know, this video is for the main slate. I, I'm not going to have time to do a video for the afternoon for the night slate, but, um, you know, if you want my thoughts on those, there is a place where you can find me for that. All right. So enough with the introduction because we have got a lot to break down. So let's go ahead and dive into game one of this 12 game slate. <laughs> All right, so at first glance, a 12-game slate can be massively overwhelming, uh, especially if you have never seen a 12-game slate before. This is the biggest, I believe, we have seen so far this season. But my advice when you have a slate this big is to pick the different game environments that you want to target and then pick the different ways that you want to target that game um, and then go from there. So by going game by game, we're going to kind of give you guys a good little preview of which games you need to be targeting and which players from each games that you need to be targeting, who can be stacked with who, who can be played as a one-off um, and so on. So Let's go ahead and start with game one, which is Mississippi State at South Carolina. Ken Palm has this one projected to finish as 70 to 69 in favor of Mississippi State. For Mississippi State, there is one big thing we got to talk about, and that is the return of Tolu Smith. Tolu Smith was their best player on their NCAA tournament team last season. He is their starting center. I mean, he played against Bethune Cookman for 19 minutes and put up 28.75 fantasy points. Do I think he will continue to put up fantasy points at that rate? Probably not, but he is their best player. He is $8,000 on DraftKings, and he throws a big wrench into things for this front court. You know, Cameron Matthews and Jimmy Bell had been super productive in this front court to this point in the season, and I just can't see that continuing now that Tolu Smith is there. He's going to eat up a lot of usage, and he's going to grab a lot of boards that would normally be grabbed by Matthews and Bell. Now, on this Mississippi State team outside the front court, I would definitely consider Deshaun Davis as well as Shaquille Moore for um, my lineups tomorrow. They're guys that they don't really have a whole lot of consistency, but they um, generally play a lot of minutes and they can have spike games if they do happen to have a hot shooting night. So I think those two would get a little bit of consideration from me. But other than that, I think Mississippi State, unless you're going to play Tolu Smith, is kind of untouchable until you figure out just what's going to happen with their rotation and their usage. You know, on the South Carolina side, they're not a super attractive team to play either because Mississippi State plays at the 173rd ranked tempo in the nation, according to Ken Palm, and they're the 11th ranked defensive team in the nation, according to Ken Palm. So um, that's not a good recipe for a lot of scoring, not a good recipe for a lot of fantasy points for South Carolina. And South Carolina themselves, they are 326th in tempo in the country. So this game is not going to be played at a super fast pace. There's not going to be a whole lot of scoring on either side. The only good news is that South Carolina is super concentrated 
with usage between Michi Johnson and BJ Mack. They are the only two players on the team who have over a 27%, or excuse me, they both have over a 27% usage rate, and they're the only ones on the team above 21%. So um, those two guys are going to dominate the offense. If you play anybody from South Carolina, it's got to be those two. My lean would be towards Michi Johnson because Mississippi State with Toulouse Smith is a very tough defensive front court for BJ Mack to go against. The one value I would consider for South Carolina is a value play that I play a lot, which is Jacoby Wright. He has hot shooting nights and he has off shooting nights. Um, he generally plays about 20 to 25 minutes. And if he has an on shooting night, he gets you a little rebounds and assists. Um, he can give you very solid value at only $3,600. He's certainly not a safe play. I don't think he's the best value play of the slate in that range, but he's definitely an option. The next game is going to be Marquette at Seton Hall. Um, Ken Palm has this one projected to be Marquette 75 to 70. Um, Marquette, everything runs through their big three. Um, and the head of that big three is their point guard, Tyler Kolek. He is just really good at basketball. Um, he's had 36 fantasy points in three straight in a decent matchup against Seton Hall, who's not a great defensive backcourt. I could absolutely see myself playing Tyler Kolek tomorrow. Oso Iguodaro is the second part of that big three. And big men recently have played really well against Seton Hall. That makes Oso Iguodaro very intriguing, as well as David Joplin, their starting power forward, very intriguing. Um, Iguodaro, you know, he didn't really score a whole lot against Creighton, but he did grab 16 boards. That comes right after a two-board outing against Georgetown. So Iguodaro hasn't really been super-duper consistent, but he's going to play a ton of minutes. He's, you know, got a good matchup against Seton Hall. I definitely could see myself getting back on the Iguodaro bandwagon at only $6,800. Speaking of getting back on the bandwagon, Cam Jones has had a terrible run of shooting recently. Um, he has not shot better than 40% in five straight games, which is unlike him. Um, and so at only $6,600, I could kind of be willing to buy the dip on Cam Jones. I could definitely see myself stacking up two uh, of these Marquette guys with Kolek and Iguodaro or Kolek and Jones. I would even not mind going down to David Joplin, like I said, because Seton Hall has been vulnerable to bigs. And David Joplin does have a 38 and a 22 in his most recent games in his game log. Now, on the Seton's Hall side, Kadari Richmond is their guy. He's what makes the team go. Um, he has a 27.8% usage rate. He has scored, um, you know, over a 50 fantasy point game this season. Unfortunately, that's really his only like ceiling performance and it's out of $8,400. You're going to need a pretty big performance to get there. Um, and Tyra Kolick is a pretty good defensive player as well. So um, my lean would be I'm probably only playing Richmond as a part of a game stack with some Marquette guys on the other side. Um, the rest of um, Seton Hall's starting five is um, Dawes, Adewusu, Davis, and Bediako. And look, I never get them right. Like one of them seems to go off every game. And good luck figuring out which one it's going to be because you never really know. But what we do know is that all four of them are going to play a ton of minutes. So if you're going to play anybody from Seton Hall, you can pair up Richmond with one of those four. If you're playing multiple lineups and you really want to get Kadari Richmond in there, you can play Kadari Richmond with each one of the other four guys, Dawes, Davis, Adewusu, and Bediako, just to see and you know, kind of hope that you get the guy that ends up going off. Game number three is the first Big Ten battle of the day between Rutgers and Iowa. Um, and this one, Ken Palm has projected to be Iowa 78 to 72. That's 150 total points, which is about five times as many points as you would see projected for a Rutgers-Iowa football game. Um, this is a major pace-up spot for Rutgers as Iowa ranks ninth in the nation in tempo. Um, so Rutgers is going to be getting more possessions. And we talked about before on the show, more possessions equals more opportunities for fantasy points. And we like more opportunities for fantasy points. So on the Rutgers side, they have actually two of my favorite 
mid to upper priced options on the entire slate. The first one is going to be Clifford Omarugi, big cliff as I call him. Um, he has had some down games recently. He, he hasn't been super duper consistent, but he has immense upside. He has had four games this season of over 40 fantasy points, including one over 50. And big men have done really well against Iowa. We saw um, Tyler Wall and Steven Crowell, the 4-5 duo for Wisconsin, both have really successful nights going against this Iowa front court on, I believe it was Wednesday night that that game was played. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but with, you know, um, the Iowa front court being a pretty decent defense to target and Big Cliff having a really legitimate ceiling, he's a guy at $7,900 that I really could see myself playing on this slate. The other guy that I like for Rutgers is Derek Simpson. So Simpson has been their primary guard um, in, in recent games. He's had over 30% usage in two of their last three games, and he's had 14 or more shot attempts in all three of those games. Um, and they've come with decent fantasy totals, 25 um, 0.5, 31.5, and 39.5. So Derek Simpson, a lot of upside with all that usage he's been getting. And in a pace-up spot against Iowa, I think this is an absolute smash spot for him at $6,000. And I think that at the end of the day, not a whole lot of people are going to be playing guys in this price range. I think that tomorrow is going to be a day where a lot of the ownership is going to be centered around stars and scrubs builds. So getting a guy in the middle right here in Derek Simpson and really kind of the upper middle in Big Cliff um, are going to be two options that might go a little bit lower owned and a little bit overlooked. Now, on the Iowa side, this is certainly a game that you can stack because, you know, it does have 150, um, you know, projected points scored. The only downside is for Iowa is that Rutgers ranks 13th nationally in defensive efficiency, according to Kempom, which makes it a tough-ish matchup. Um, but... There are there's really one guy on Iowa that I that I want to target. And I do want to mention Owen Freeman because he's been great lately. But going up against Big Cliff is a tough matchup down low. Um, and so I don't know if I would necessarily expect the recent production to continue for Owen Freeman. Um, the guy that I would expect the recent production to continue for is Tony Perkins. So we mentioned on the show the last time Iowa was on how they've gone to this big lineup where they are playing Tony Perkins at the point and four forwards around him. Um, and since they've gone to that lineup, his usage has been really good. He was their usage leader in their, um, you know, first really key conference game against Wisconsin. Um, and he's had 39, 29, and 49 fantasy points in his last three games. So there's a lot of upside with Tony Perkins at only $7,300. I, I definitely think there's a really good opportunity for him to hit that price tag. And I really think a little game stack of Omarugi with Simpson and then Perkins on the other side, that's not really all that expensive. And you're getting some good exposures to some guys with some high ceilings. Game number four is UNC taking on Clemson. I am calling this the... Is Clemson a fraud game? <laughs> because Clemson has looked really good to start the season. They have some pretty decent wins, but can it hold up in ACC play against the best of the best that the ACC has to offer? We will find out in Little John Coliseum on this Saturday at noon Eastern time. So um, this one is projected to be Clemson, 80 to 79, according to Ken Palm. Um, UNC is a very simple team to target, or at least they're turning into one. Um, you know, we mentioned on the show, um, all week how with conference play starting a lot of these teams are going to condense their rotations a little bit they're going to center their usage around their best players and unc is a prime example of that rj davis 
Armando Baycott, Harrison Ingram, and Cormac Ryan all played 32 minutes or more in their last game against Pitt. Um, and so these four guys represent the core of what you want to target with this North Carolina Tar Heels team. Um, and so thinking about it from a perspective where, you know, now they're going up against Clemson. In Clemson's last game, Miami really kind of scored at will against them. And you saw Nigel Pack and Norchad Omir combined for 48 points um, in that one. That's Miami's point guard and then Miami's big. Um, they combined for 48 points. So that seems like a pretty simple recipe to go with RJ Davis and Armando Baycott. Um, and I think you can even play them together in the same lineup and just hope that the formula that worked for Miami is what works for North Carolina. The only downside is that is a pretty expensive combination. But the upside that you get is pretty immense because RJ Davis, we have seen him have multiple 40 plus fancy point games this season. Armando Baycott, we know he is capable of a 40-plus fantasy point game. Um, you know, he'd been a little bit off heading into the pit game, but he put up 39 in that game, and then he saw his price tag decrease a little bit. Um, so I definitely am here for Davis and Baycott, and if you're looking to kind of stack around one of the two of them, you got Ingram and Ryan who are going to be out there like the entire game. On the Clemson side, um, you know, Miami did a really good job of keeping P.J. Hall in check. P.J. Hall was starting to really make a case um, for being National Player of the Year um, as we headed into conference play. And, and if the Miami game is any indication, he's not going to stay in that conversation a whole lot longer. Um, he had 17 points, six boards, four turnovers, and fouled out of that game for only 23 fantasy points, which was a massive disappointment for a lot of people who played him against Miami because Norchad Omir has been kind of soft against bigger bigs in years past. Now, if you think that Hall bounces back from this performance, go ahead and play him. If not, I think there's a very reasonable path to fading him because in the Miami game, you saw a lot of guys be productive in Hall's lack of productivity. Ian Shefflin had a double-double and had 32.8 fantasy points. Joe Girard had 18 real points and 34 total fantasy points. And then my personal favorite of the three, Chase Hunter, took 15 shots, hit six of them, which is not great, but not bad either. Um, but he had 29.5 fancy points in that game. I think that's just scratching the surface for him. I think as the season goes on, you are going to see more usage for Chase Hunter. Um, and also he's only at $6,300, whereas Gerard and Shefflin are up there in the 7K range. Game number five is the highest scoring game of the day. Kentucky heading to Florida. Ken Palm has this one projected to be Kentucky 86 to 85 for a total of 171 points. The downside, these are two of the toughest teams to target. The upside with that high total, there's going to be a lot of fantasy points scored. And both these teams rank in the top 25 nationally in tempo. So there's going to be a lot of possessions in this one. Kentucky is really balanced with their usage up top. Rob Dillingham is their usage leader on the season, but the problem is, is he very rarely plays a lot of minutes. Um, he's only played two games over 24 minutes all season long. I don't know what to expect and what to you know um, make of what's going to happen in conference play. I think there's absolutely the ability that he does play more minutes um, you know, in conference play as we move forward. Um, Reed Shepard, Probably has the highest upside of any Kentucky player, in my opinion, just because he really does fill up the stat sheet with rebounds and assists, and he is always capable of getting hot from behind the arc. I think he is the Kentucky guy with the highest upside. However, he's a little bit volatile because, again, with these Kentucky guys, you never really know how their minutes in the rotation is going to shake out. But Shepard gives himself a high floor with how much he contributes in ways other than just scoring. Now, Antonio Reeves is kind of like the veteran of this group, and when you look at his game long, he has really played well in Kentucky's quote-unquote big games, um, and so... 
he's a guy that I could definitely see as we get into conference play kind of being the guy that kind of leads this offense and leads this team, um, you know, over the likes of Shepard and Dillingham. I could totally buy into that. But, um, you know, basically, I don't think any of the three of them are a bad option because of how much points are going to be scored in this game. But I don't think that any of the three of them absolutely stands out as a lock either. Um, and also on the Kentucky side, you know, Trey Mitchell was their only big for a long time. Well, now you have Aaron Bradshaw and you have um, Ugana Onyeso um, in the front court to play minutes, you know, in place of Trey Mitchell. So he doesn't have to play all 40 minutes. That kind of reduces his upside just a little bit as well. The one thing you will want to monitor with Kentucky is the status of Adu Thiero. He's listed as questionable for this game. And I think Coach Cal has a lot of options. He could opt to go big and give more minutes to Aaron Bradshaw. He could opt to go small and give more minutes to Dillingham and Shepard. It's really kind of unknown what he's going to end up doing. Now on the Florida side, they're a little bit simpler. But they haven't really played a whole lot of um, like close games recently. Um, so I would kind of like to look back in their game log and see what they were doing when they played better competition, when they played better teams. And Walter Clayton Jr. is their highest usage player. He's at a little bit of a discount from where he has been because he hasn't been doing a whole lot lately. But when you go back and look up against their big games in, in the non-conference season, he was always there. He was always scoring a lot of fantasy points. So he would probably be my preferred guy for this Florida team. Um, Tyree Samuel, on the other hand, is a super consistent fantasy scorer. Um, I, you know, he does have some legitimate upside, but I don't know if necessarily Kentucky is the best matchup. The good news is it is going to be a very high scoring game. So I could definitely see myself playing Tyree Samuel as well. Zion Pullen is another guy who elevates his fantasy performances in big games. He had 39.5 against Michigan. He had 29 against Wake and 29 against Baylor also. So um, those three guys are kind of be where I would be centering my efforts um, around the, this Florida team. Um, it's really hard to get excited about any of the other guys, in my opinion. All right, last game of this segment, then we're going to take a little bit of a breather, is going to be Georgia taking on Missouri. Um, this one, Ken Palm has projected to be Missouri 74-71. to Look, Georgia is super difficult to predict. You never really know for them who is going to end up going off, who is going to end up letting you down. It, it's it's tough. I think as the season goes on, I think the guy is going to be Noah Thomason. That's just my prediction. But right now, the guy that I would prefer to play on this Georgia team is Silas Demery, just because he does a lot outside of scoring, average over four boards and over three assists per game, pretty consistently contributing in both those categories. So even if he doesn't have the scoring touch, he's going to give you some fantasy points in other ways. He would probably be the Georgia Bulldog I would be most likely to play. On the Missouri side, they do have a few guys that I do like. However, they are super unpredictable. Dennis Gates, their head coach, is kind of known for this. He will throw out a random starting lineup on any given night and just see if it works. Um, and so, you know, you don't really want to go too much by, you know, one game against Missouri. But, um, you know, they, they're kind of getting a little bit more consistent since Caleb Grill has been injured. Um, you have definitely seen a lot more usage for Sean East and Tamar Bates. And I think they both make for solid targets in this game. There are two wild cards for this Missouri team, though. The first one is Connor Vanover, who is a seven foot four transfer from um, Oral Roberts, who, if he ever plays a lot of minutes, could put up fantasy points in bunches. Um, we're just kind of yet to see him have like a big minute load type of game. Um, the other guy that I think you gotta look out for, and I like this play a lot, is Trent Pierce. Um, so he was moved into the starting lineup two games ago when they played Illinois. In that game, he played 20 minutes and put up 23.5 fantasy points, and that was against Illinois. That's good competition. He only played 10 minutes against Central Arkansas, but it's a game that they won by 40. So um, I'm not putting too much stock into that one. 
I think at only $3,600, if he stays in the starting lineup, Trent Pierce is a really, really solid high upside play at that salary. All right, that does it for the first half of the slate. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about the later six games. Before we get started with the second batch of six games, I do want to mention there are a few places where you can get more information from me. First off, you can follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I do my best to tweet out the rundown for every DFS slate where I kind of highlight some of my favorite categorical plays for the day, um, as well as if there's ever any updates for the show in terms of when episodes release, changes to the schedule, stuff like that. I do generally tweet it out as well. And then also, I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions on Twitter if you just reach out to me. Um, also, I am in the Fantasy Corner Discord. If you want to get my thoughts on the afternoon and the night slate tomorrow, I will be hanging out in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Basically, we've got a lot of smart people in there who play a lot of DFS for a lot of different sports. College basketball is one of them, as well as NFL, NBA, and more. Um, so if you're looking for people to talk DFS with, bounce ideas off of, um, it's a great community to be a part of, and, and I cannot recommend it more. And if you want to know what I think of the afternoon or night slates, I will be in there, you know, kind of talking it up all day long. And then also I do write an article on my Patreon for every college basketball DFS slate, including the afternoon and the night slates. So um, what I do is I'd highlight all of my core plays as well as kind of my attack strategy and lineup building strategy for the slate. I'm not going to sit here and promise that you're going to read them and instantly win GPPs, but I think you can read them, get some good sound information for building your lineups as well as some building blocks to start with. Um, and use it to kind of help build your knowledge and your ability to build lineups for college basketball. And like I said, I cover even the slates that I don't cover here on the podcast. I do have an article up on the Patreon. And lastly, if you are looking to try something new this college basketball season, head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We're partnering with Sign Up Expert, and what they do is they get you the best offers and promo codes for new users on any DFS player prop or sports book site, and it syncs to your location, so it only shows you what's available to you. So if you're a state that just got sports betting and you want to sign up for a new sports book or if you want to sign up for underdog or prize picks or somewhere like that sign up expert.com slash mike's picks get yourself the best offer and promo code available all right so let's go ahead and talk about this second batch of six games starting with the battle in philly st john's at villanova this one is projected to be villanova 75 to 69 according to ken palm which was kind of shocking to me that the the margin of victory there um for st john's once conference play has started, they really have kind of just had two guys separate themselves from the pack. They have a really good offensive team that have, you know, they'll play five guys on the floor that can all score the basketball, but two of them have separated themselves. And the first one is Dennis Jenkins. Um, he's the Iona transfer who has been kind of their best player all season long offensively. And in his last two games, he's had 44.25 and 39.75 fantasy points. That is elite, elite stuff. He's averaging taking 14 shots in those two games. I think he is a great option in DFS, even though Villanova is going to try to slow this game down. Villanova plays elite defense, so this might not be an opportunity for Jenkins to kind of have a ceiling game, but I definitely think that the floor is there with how much he has the ball in his hands. Speaking of which, RJ Luis is a guy who's also had the ball in his hands quite a lot. In each of the last two games, he's attempted 10 and 15 shots for 25 total, and he's put up 30 and 24.75 fantasy points for 54.75 total. He's only $6,200 on DraftKings. He's seeing a ton of usage. Even though, like I said, Villanova is going to slow this game down. Villanova is going to play great defense, but I think that those two are the guys that I would be targeting on the St. John's side. Now for Villanova, things were a lot simpler for them if Justin Moore is out. 
He is currently listed as questionable for this game. I have no idea one way or the other whether or not he plays, but I do think that things are simpler for Villanova if he is out. If he's out, Hakeem Hart becomes almost an auto-click in my opinion. He scored over 20 fantasy points in every game since Justin Moore got injured. In his last two games, he's had 32 and 26.75. He's really playing good basketball for this Villanova backcourt. And St. John's is a team that's going to push the tempo and allow Villanova on more opportunities to score points. You've also seen Brandon Housing come through in the last two games. He's only $3,500 on DraftKings, 15 and 19 fantasy points in his last two games. Um, not a bad option at $3,500 with those two performances. The next game is going to be Auburn taking on Arkansas. This one is the one of the highest totals of the slate, not quite the highest total. Um, it is projected to be Auburn 81 to 76. So what makes things difficult with Auburn is when you look at what they've done over the course of the season, they have not been tested in a long time. Time. It's been three games since they played power conference competition in USC, um, which they won by 16 points. So really that game wasn't even all that close. And, and they just, they've kind of like messed around with their rotation, messed around and played a lot of guys. They just haven't really played like a full go game in a long time. So I think that makes them tough to evaluate in the recent end. But I think when they are tested, they are going to center their usage around their center, Janai Broom, as well as their two guards, Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson. Holloway in particular, if you look at his game log, has a history of playing well against good teams, 34 against Baylor, 30 against Indiana, 28 against USC. So if this game Auburn does get tested, I really like Aiden Holloway. Trey Donaldson's pretty similar as well. He has also had his better games when um, Auburn has played good competition. So that would be kind of how I would be attacking this Auburn side. Arkansas has a big variable, which is Khalif Battles' health. Um, he is currently listed as questionable for this game. If he does not go, there's a lot more usage in, in points and rebounds and assists to go around for Tremont Mark and Devo Davis. But the guy that I'm really interested in is Keon Menefield Jr. So he's a transfer from Arkansas, and he's played the last, I'm sorry, he's a transfer from Washington, who now plays for Arkansas, who has played the last three games. His minute total has gone up each game from 19 to 29 to or 19 to 28 to 35. You got to feel like that 35 minute total in their last game that was partly because of Khalif Battle's injury um, and part of his fantasy total, which was 44.5 fantasy points, was also due to Khalif Battle's injury. So if Battle is back, do I expect the same result at a minifield? Absolutely not. But he's only $4,600. So if he just gives us what he did in um, their second most recent game, 28 minutes, 19.5 um, fantasy points, we will take 19.5 fantasy points at $4,600. Expect the minifield to be popular. I will be playing a little bit of him just because of, you know, he's a cheap price tag and he has a ceiling that very few guys at that price tag are going to have. Next game up is Providence at Creighton. Um, this one is projected to be Creighton 73 to 64, according to Ken Palm. The big news here is that Providence's Bryce Hopkins, who is a phenomenal basketball player, really fun to watch, is out for the remainder of the season with a torn ACL. Um, so they will be without him. Naturally, you can expect more usage for Devin Carter and Josh Aduru down low. Hopkins is a guy that fills up the stat sheet with a lot of rebounds and assists. So um, Providence's other two best players, Carter and Aduru, are, are Duru, you got to figure that they're going to see a little bit of a bump in that regard. But how can they replace the rest of the production from Hopkins? Well, Ticket Gaines has a 
decently similar skill set to Hopkins in that he is a 6'7 athletic wing type player that can get rebounds and, and shoot some threes. So Ticket Gaines is a guy that I think will see a little bit of a boost, but a guy that I really like and a guy that I'm hoping that a lot of the field doesn't catch on to is Corey Floyd Jr. He's 3,600. Um, he played 19 minutes against Seton Hall and a lot of it was after Bryce Hopkins got hurt. To me, he's the most natural replacement for Bryce Hopkins in the starting lineup. Um, and if you look on Ken Palm at Providence's most used individual lineups. If you take out Bryce Hopkins, the first most used lineup is their their usual starting five with Pierre Carter, um, Gaines, and Aduru, and then Corey Floyd Jr. in Bryce Hopkins' spot. So I really think that Corey Floyd Jr. is a sneaky, sneaky play at only $3,600 as the de facto replacement for Bryce Hopkins. Now on the Creighton side, we, we know the story with Creighton, y'all. They give their starters heavy minutes, but their starting lineup is so balanced that it becomes very difficult to play them and they don't exactly play at a super fast tempo to create game environments that it makes it super attractive to play them. So, you know, Shireman and Alexander have both been great recently, but I don't ever really play a whole lot of them just because you never really know which one's going to go off. You never really know if either of them are going to go off because of the game environments that they play in. So um, I don't... I wouldn't like sit here and poo-poo anybody who played anybody from Creighton, but it's just a team that I don't get to a whole lot because they're generally really expensive and they're generally not playing the, the most high scoring of games. Next up is going to be Virginia taking on Houston. So this one is the most lopsided game of the day, according to Ken Palm. It's projected to be Houston 77 to 54. Now for West Virginia, we've mentioned this before how they got basically an entirely new roster um, when the NCAA's waiver rule got um, overruled and they instantly got Raekwon Battle and Noah Farrakhan um, and then Kirk Creesa got back from a suspension. So they basically got an entirely new roster on, on that day. And then Jesse Edwards, their normal starting center, also got injured. So this is just a team that has had you know no consistency all year long. They've been in flux all season long. And what's happened in recent games is Raekwon Battle has just shot the living crap out of the basketball. He's taken 22, 15, and 19 shots in his last three games. Oddly enough, he's hit nine shots in all three of them. He scored over 38 fancy points in all three of those games, averaging 42.4, which sounds great, but he has not played a defense like Houston. I do not think you can expect the same production from Raekwon Battle against Houston that you have seen against these three other teams. However, he's only $7,900, so if he just gets... 75 to 80% of what he's been doing, and he gets you 32 fantasy points. That's not a bad start to a lineup, but it's tough against Houston. So I don't know whether to, to sit here and say that he's going to be under owned because people know he's going up against Houston or over owned because people are just going to look at that fantasy point total thanks to his name. But I don't think you can expect the same total from Raekwon Battle in this game environment. Now for Houston. Um, they are a team that you can stack for sure because, you know, 77 points for them is quite a lot. And if you are stacking them, Jamal Shedd is the guy that you got to stack because he is their point guard. He averages 5.8 assists per game. He has the fourth highest assist rate in the nation. If he is playing a full minutes load because this game is decently close, he can very easily put up 35 to 40 fancy points at a salary of only $7,100. And because of all the assists he's getting, you can stack him up quite easily. Emmanuel Sharp would be my first nominee. He is kind of their primary scoring guard this season. Um, he takes a lot of shots, and a lot of those shots are going to come off of assists from Jamal Shedd. And then also with Jawan Roberts being hurt, 
in this game not exactly you know supposed to be close I don't necessarily see a reason for them to play Juwan Roberts for 30 minutes so it should lead to bonus minutes from Javier Francis as well as Joseph Tugler I would be totally cool with a little shed and Francis stack or a little shed and Tugler stack that would be pretty cheap and it allow you to kind of build the rest of your lineup with a lot of flexibility next up is going to be TCU at Kansas this one is projected to be Kansas, 79 to 72. Kansas really tough to beat in Allen Fieldhouse. So TCU is a team that, honestly, on, on this slate, you've got 12 games, you've got 24 teams. You're not going to be able to play guys from all of them. Uh, if, even if you're making like, you know, a three max or a 20 max set of lineups, you you still don't have to play guys from all 24 of these teams. TCU is a team that I would totally be willing to cross off. First off, Jacoby Coles and Charles O'Bannon Jr. did not play in their last game. Very kind of like it was on New Year's Day. It kind of got like swept under the rug that they weren't playing. And a lot of people played them in lineups, um, you know, before they were really ruled out or like publicly known that they were out, which is never fun. Um, but what you saw in that was Ernest Uday Jr. taking over the center position and putting up a massive stat line. I expect Coles and O'Bannon to play, which would kind of negate the value of Uday. Um, but I really think that you can cross this team off entirely just because they play a lot of different guys. They have, um, you know, very balanced usage rates. If you had to, you know, make me pick one, Jameer Nelson Jr. would be that guy because um, he really did fill up stat sheets when he was at Delaware. And, and I'm kind of waiting for him to start doing the same at TCU. So with this TCU team, let's kind of wait and see what they do in conference play. Do they condense their rotation? Do they condense their usage? And that would make a lot of these guys a lot more attractive to play down the road. Now for Kansas, you've got two of the biggest studs of the slate here on the same team in Hunter Dickinson as well as Kevin McCuller. Look, we've talked about all season long with McCuller how last year he was not a big-time scorer, and he put up all these peripheral stats. Well, now he is a big-time scorer, and he's still putting up all those peripheral stats. In a game environment with a good pace like this one, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to put up peripheral stats, and I really do like Kevin McCuller as a play on this slate. If I had to play anybody else from Kansas, it would be El Marco Jackson. He's playing a lot of minutes, and you know, in a pace-up game against TCU, if you're playing a lot of minutes, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to put up fancy points, and at only $4,700, he doesn't have to do a whole lot in those minutes to give you value. The last game of the slate is going to be Virginia taking on NC State. Um, I generally enjoy playing NC State on these slates because I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of them, but this is one that they could have left off. And honestly, there were some games that you can tell DraftKings left on the cutting room floor to just make this a 12-game slate. Like, thank the Lord we didn't have DePaul Georgetown on this slate. Um, you know, there was another one that I saw as well that wasn't on here that kind of surprised me. Oh, it was, it was um, Pittsburgh taking on Louisville. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of games that got left you know, to make this a 12-game slate. I'm kind of surprised they didn't leave this one as well and make it an 11-game slate because this is the lowest total of the slate. It is projected to be NC State 64-63, to 63, according to Ken Palm. So I think this game has a very clear either-or in it. So let's break that down. So Virginia has been playing the guy that's listed as a guard on DraftKings, Ryan Dunn, at the five position for some heavy, heavy minutes. And he's been getting a lot of rebounds at that five position. That makes them a very, very small lineup. And so NC State has a center that they run a lot of things through in DJ Burns, who is a really good post player. He is a big body. He's got really good footwork, and he's got really good touch around the rim. 
And what's going to happen is this. Either DJ Burns is going to eat up Ryan Dunn on the inside or Ryan Dunn's ability to space the floor and play five-out basketball is going to make DJ Burns not able to stay in the game because DJ Burns isn't going to be able to stay in front of him. So I anticipate, even with this game environment being terrible, Burns or Dunn having a really solid game in this one. That, that's just my anticipation. In terms of the other guys in this game that you can play, Isaac McNeely is a guy for Virginia that I like a lot. I played him on um, Wednesday night when they played Louisville, and he only needed 19 minutes to get to 25 fantasy points. So, um, you know, a lot of upside with Isaac McNeely. He has been shooting the ball a lot more recently, at least seven shots in five straight games. Um, so he is a guy that I would be willing to play. NC State is a pace-up matchup for Virginia. So um, definitely have some interest in Isaac McNeely. And then on the NC State side, Ever since, um, you know, kind of the middle of December, they've really started to run a lot more through um, DJ Horn offensively. And so DJ Burns and DJ Horn, really the only two guys that I would be kind of targeting on this NC State roster. All right, that does it for that massive 12-game slate that we have for the noon window, noon Eastern time, I should say. Um, so, you know, we do have two more slates of college basketball on the rest of Saturday. So I'm not going to have an opportunity to make a video for those. So reminder, if you want my thoughts on those, um, you can reach out to me on Twitter. You got the Fantasy Corner Discord. Hop on in there, get in the conversation, start building some lineups with us. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And then you also have the articles on my Patreon where I'll be posting my core as well as my attack strategy. So um, if you were playing those two later slates, that is where you would want to go to get more from me in that regard. All right, so that does it for this video, y'all. So if you like what you saw on this video, um, if this information helped you out a lot, helped, you know, kind of helped you get a lot of information and starting points for building your lineups, I would really appreciate it if you hit the like button on YouTube and rate and review the audio feed if you're listening on audio. Um, we really are trying to grow the community here and um, those likes and those reviews, they do not fall on deaf ears. They really do help. It increases the amount of people who can find the videos and find the podcast. And I really do appreciate it when you guys do that. Um, also, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. So that way you can be with us for the rest of college basketball season. You can subscribe to the YouTube as well as to the audio feed. We are closing in on 400 subscribers on YouTube. And I really want to hit that goal before the end of January. So if you could help us out by hitting that subscribe button, it's entirely free. And I really would appreciate it if you did that. All right, that does it for this episode, y'all. So hopefully I was able to give you guys some good information, some good, you know, kind of building blocks and starting points that you can kind of parse through this 12-game slate and build some winning lineups for this Saturday. So hopefully I was able to help you guys to do that. Best of luck to you on the Saturday slate and beyond. We will be back talking more college basketball next week. We will also have the golf episode next week as well as our NFL episode for week 18 going up on audio later tonight. So, um, you know, if you like what you heard for college basketball this episode, come join us again for the rest of college basketball season as well as um, NFL and golf season. So that does it for this episode, y'all. Thank you guys for watching and listening to this point, and I will see you next time.